Hi, welcome to Shift. It's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. Welcome to another episode of Shift. Uh, we're still in COVID lockdown here in Toronto. Um, that gives you a little sense of how things are going, but we're committed to bringing you um, amazing guests and amazing content. But I do want to say just kind of um, before we start that I hope all of our listeners are safe and, um, and doing as best they can. We have an excellent distraction for you today, and that is our topic today, which is really about unprecedented growth in unprecedented times. On the show today, we have Asha Bakshani, who is the SVP Finance at Lightspeed, and Colin Ryan, who is Managing Director at National Bank. And we're really going to be talking today about how organizations have been changing their business, their offerings, um, how they're going to market, and ultimately how they're IPOing, given the fact that we're in the middle, I hope it's the middle or close to the end, of a pandemic. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks, John. Great to be here. So maybe we'll just start off slowly. You know, um, if you don't mind filling us in a little bit about who you are and, you know, what your background is. And Asha, why don't we start with you? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Asha Bekshani, and, and as you mentioned already, I'm the Senior Vice President of Finance at Lightspeed. Lightspeed's a cloud-based commerce enabling solution, and our company really builds software tools for small and medium-sized businesses. So essentially, we give merchants tools, uh, the tools that they need to run their business, you know, whether it be retail, hospitality, and we even go deeper into verticals such as bike and golf. When I started at Lightspeed, there were about two people in the finance team. And so I really worked to build the entire financial reporting, accounting, FP&A infrastructure, uh, really necessary to get us to the point where we had, you know, the financial discipline to, to be a dualistic public company today. Over to you, Colin. Thanks, John. My name is Colin Ryan. And as you mentioned, I'm a managing director at National Bank. Specifically, I co-head the technology, media, telecom, and healthcare investment banking team at the bank. And what I specifically am focused on is providing um, financial advisory and financing services to Canadian companies within those verticals I mentioned earlier. On a sort of a personal note, we were very proud to to be one of the leads on Lightspeed's IPO back in early 2019. So I've had the chance to work with Asha and her team in the past. Yeah, you both have such interesting backgrounds. But Asha, I'm really interested just to sort of talk about Lightspeed for a second, because when I think about what's been going on in sort of the, you know, the universe of commerce right now, the notion of online has been like supercharged in a way that I don't think Anybody could have predicted. We all knew e-commerce and uh, online and digital POS and integration systems with supply chain and inventory needed to happen. But tell me a little bit about how you guys have been able to pivot and manage success and all the good things that you've been doing since COVID hit. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think at Lightspeed, we really hold employees and customers at the heart of everything we do. When I think about our customers, we, you know, we did whatever we could to help our customers pivot. Uh, we, we really feel that loyalty is something that's earned. And, you know, when we're helping our customers at a time like this, we, you know, it was a real opportunity for us to, to build loyalty of our customer base and to help our customers pivot to this new normal. So we offered three months of, you know, free light speed delivery, free e-commerce, uh, free loyalty, 
because we wanted them to be able to, uh, you know, meet the needs of changing customer demands during this pandemic. To help our customers, we even launched a COVID-19 retail and restaurant guide, which was super helpful to our merchants. It was online early April, and it really helped our merchants across the world to understand, you know, the government incentives that were available to them in each region. So Lightspeed really pushed that to all our merchants and enabled them to look not only at the government help that, that was available to them, but just tips for operational tasks, tools for new revenue streams, to, you know, try to, to help restauranters think innovatively on what can I do if my doors are closed. In bringing our customers and our employees together, we also rolled out what we call Lightspeed Local. It was really an initiative that it, it was $500 that we gave to our like, each Lightspeed employee spend at any Lightspeed merchant. And so that was sort of a way to support our employees because they may have needed a desk or a chair uh, or they may have, you know, wanted to order lunch once in a while. And at the same time, we were supporting our customers and and it went it went super well. I mean, you know, we've got a flood of pictures and comments from both our employees and our merchants. It was so successful that we decided to launch it again during Christmas time. I think that's really spectacular, honestly. Question for you, though, how did you think about your sort of product and offering pipeline? Like, how did it change um, in response to the pandemic? Talk to me a little bit about how you guys underwent product planning and the rollout and, and how, how you reprioritized. So, you know, at the at the beginning of the pandemic, we really, you know, we sat together in a room and we figured out, OK, what is it that we need to do? from every front. So we looked at sales and marketing, we looked at, you know, back office where we needed to cut spend, etc. And then we looked at product and we said, here's the product roadmap. What is it that we need to accelerate? So we looked at all the things that were going to be important in a world where, you know, we were hit by this pandemic. For example, online was super important. So we ensured the online experience and and, and our e-commerce uh, product was, you know, easy to navigate and the sites were quick to, to put up. Uh, we ensured that there was speedy shipping, integrated contactless experience, curbside pickup, delivery, like all the things that were going to be important now when, when people's doors were closed is what we accelerated on the roadmap. We didn't know how long the, the pandemic was going to last, but we really executed on the plan. And the plan had three main priorities. One was to protect our customers, two was to protect our employees, and third was to protect the strength of our balance sheet. And we executed on that. Amazing. One of the things that really has knocked me out personally um, during the pandemic as uh, an employee of PwC is how open and transparent our leadership has been and how they've really taken, you know, the employee well-being to heart, if you will. So it sounds to me like Lightspeed, as, as part of its, you know, core principles or ethos or foundation, has really kind of looked at human needs and making sure that what you're delivering has purpose and value for people. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we've always been that way, even pre-pandemic. You know, Dax, our, our CEO, is very much connected to, to his people, his employees and his customers. And he really sets the right tone at the top. And so every person we hire that comes through the Lightspeed door sees that and sort of adapts uh, that behavior and it and it's worked super well for us. I mean, during the pandemic, Dax writes a CEO email update every Friday to the whole company. Uh, we have quarterly town halls where he stands up on a Zoom in front of 1,200 lightspeeders around the world and just gives everyone an update about you know what happened in the quarter, where we're going in the next quarter. Just you know, very very transparent with our with our employees for sure. Colin, um, I'm just curious, what have you seen internally, and how has the bank? Um, and this may be completely off topic, mind you. 
how, how the bank is kind of working with its employees and its customers to provide uh, value. Is that something that you can comment on? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it has been, you know, really interesting to see. Prior to COVID, I would be, you know, traveling, you know, once or twice a week to go out and, and physically meet clients. And so I'd say that that's been probably the most significant change we've had in our side of the business, not being able to go out and meet clients in person. Our business, I think, is is because it's a service business and the types of transactions that we work on with clients like an IPO of Lightspeed, as an example, they're very important transactions for our clients. Um, we spend a lot of time with our clients. And so having that sort of relationship and trust is important, which is why, you know, developing those connections in person has been helpful. So the bank's been extremely supportive um, and helpful really from the beginning and allowing us all to, to adjust and work efficiently from home. I'm a little curious. We're going to kind of start to talk a little bit now about how do companies think about or take their companies public in the middle of a pandemic. When, when this whole thing started, and this is to you, Colin, what 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 did you think? I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, we're shutting everything down. Your initial reaction to sort of the the IPO market and how things would move forward, were you kind of going like, this is going to be really bad? Or did you think um, that there would be some really interesting new opportunity as a result of it? So I, I think the initial reaction, if I'm being honest, was, you know, this is not going to be good. You know, John, that your point. And and part of that was because, you know, the reaction, the short term reaction in the stock market, um, in, including, you know, companies in, within the technology sector that have since, you know, and were up to the, the pandemic and sort of since have performed extremely well. Uh, but the short term reaction was pretty severe for a lot of companies. And uh and so that sort of led to my, you know, and I think a lot of my colleagues' reaction to this could be be trouble on sort of the financing side of the business. To your to your question, you know, how are companies going to be able to go public again? Well, you know, with share prices depressed, that's that's challenging to do. Now, in, in our business, you know, the financing is certainly one side of it. Uh, mergers and acquisitions and financial advisory, as I mentioned earlier, are another part of it. And oftentimes, when you have market downturns, that can lead to to M and A activity. Perhaps you'd have companies that are in distress situations that need a solution, whether it's a financing solution or an M&A solution. So we knew there would be opportunities, but um, I would say it's been really great to see the, the shift, uh, the quick shift in, in the market and specifically the technology sector has bounced back at an incredible rate, really a historic rate since March and April. And because of that, we've actually seen an uptick in the level of IPO activity over the last few months. You know what? In a way, I'm kind of not surprised, but also surprised. <laughs> because when I asked you that question, my mind kind of went to, has there been different types of IPOs coming to fruition or coming out? Yeah, for sure. In terms of some of the clients that we're seeing, I, I would say that you know when I look at the technology sector and the, the types of companies that are performing well and, and therefore the types of companies that are coming to market um, you know there are a few sort of themes that I think are getting at the question that you're asking John and you know that would be companies serving small and medium-sized businesses like Lightspeed like Shopify that have an e-commerce angle to their business companies that are in the health technology sector companies that are in the educational technology sector um, companies that are you know helping us work from home, in remote working infrastructure. I mean, all of those sort of subsectors within technology are the areas where we're seeing, you know, really strong performance in the in the market and are making up a lot of the new issue activity, whether it's on the IPO front or or follow-on activity. 
So Asha, when, when you guys decided to go public, basically, did you have a moment's pause? Did the company have a moment's pause about timing? I mean, you listed in September, so not that long ago. And uh, like, that's pretty daring stuff. So did you guys go, this is like the perfect storm, guys. This is the right time. Or was it more like, let's see what happens? I'm just really curious if you could kind of let us into the back room a little bit on that one. Yeah, for sure. So we were planning a US IPO at some point this year. And then when the pandemic hit, we were all, uh, like Colin said, thinking, okay, this can't be good. We're just going to postpone that a little bit. And so then that was in, in March. And then as the months went by, we recognized that, you know what? I mean, the fundamentals of our company didn't change. Our employees are actually able to pivot to work from home uh, more efficient than ever. You know, things like in my team, for example, we closed the audit in 45 days or less. And before that, you know, that was a record for us. And we were all working from home uh, because it was in April and early May. And then because of, of, again, what Colin referred to about, you know, digital first, companies like Lightspeed ended up faring even better than, than their peers. And so, you know, our numbers were amazing. And, you know, so summer came by and we said, okay, look, our numbers are great. The company is doing well. The trajectory is amazing. We look forward at, you know, what what's coming down the pipeline. There was, so, there was so much out there for us to go take. There's so many, you know, different opportunities from an M&A perspective that we could take advantage of for, you know, the peers of ours that maybe were not faring as well as we were. And so we said, the timing is right. The timing is now. Yes, there's a pandemic, which means logistically it's going to be a bit more challenging, but, you know, the team was there. The team was ready to do it. We were excited to do it. And we said, let's go for it. Uh, that's, that is so unnerving. But I'm curious if you, from your experience, Asha, if you have any, you know, any advice for organizations who are themselves thinking about going public right now. Yours was very successful and, you know, based on the products and services that you offer, perfectly timed. What would you say to someone who's considering doing the same? Yeah, I mean, I think if we ignore the noise in the market for a minute, it really comes down to the fundamentals of the business. Because, I mean, you can win in a bull market in the short term, but if your fundamentals aren't there uh, or aren't strong, it won't last very long. So I really think it comes down to what is fundamentally your business about. I think you need to ensure you're creating products that answer a true need. So I think at Lightspeed, we've done that because there's a true need from an SMB merchant perspective for tools that we provide, for the commerce enabling solutions we provide, for the e-commerce fully integrated payments to the POS that we provide. So I think that's that's what I would keep in mind. And never lose that insightful dialogue with your customers. Like I mentioned earlier, it's really critical, no matter what it is that you're selling, to have a constant dialogue with your customers to ensure that you, know, you continue to meet that true need of someone. And then lastly, I would say uh, financial discipline. At Lightspeed, we've always embraced growth, which is quite obvious, but never growth at all costs. We've always been super disciplined about doing what we say we're going to do. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the pandemic, we created a plan, you know, a budget, an outlook of here's what we're going to do in, in every single area. And we executed on that plan. And so we created the plan and we stuck to it um, on all fronts. And uh, I think that financial discipline part is super important. This is how we were able to navigate the early days of COVID. And, and this is how we were able to achieve the success we've achieved to date. Colin, 
So we're talking about financial discipline and, you know, staying true to your, your core offering and these things. When you're considering and looking at different organizations to either for an M&A or for an IPO, what kind of what kind of things were you looking for before? And has the criteria changed at all uh, in terms of um, what you're looking for now that COVID-19 is here? Yeah, sure. And, and, and John, if I can quickly go back to what Asha just mentioned, because I think I couldn't, couldn't agree with her more in terms of company readiness for an IPO. This is the, a market, um, where it is, you know, it's just so strong, especially for technology companies where it widens and sort of the, the, the net for the types of companies that are able to go public and could get a deal done. Um, but I think the most important thing for companies to consider when evaluating an IPO, again, is what Asha said, is making sure that the company is ready. And what I mean by that is that, you know, internally, financials, management, key management folks, board, the vision, sort of there aren't going to be significant changes in, in, the, in the product or the business. Um, you know, that once they're, the company is public, they will be able to perform and meet or exceed market expectations because that's the way to continue having a, you know, a positive experience in the public markets and see your, seeing your share price go in the right direction and continuing to grow um, your, your company. The, the worst thing that you can do as a public company is come out of the gates and the first couple of quarters have, have choppy results or choppy quarters that don't meet the expectations that you set out. At the time of the IPO, and I think, quite frankly, that's one of the reasons why um, the the demand for tech is so strong in Canada right now. Because companies like Lightspeed have done it the right way. They've come out of the gates and they've outperformed expectations, and investors have had a very positive experience. So I think that's a really critical point. And and, and the last comment I would make around that is, you know, an IPO isn't an end transaction. It, it's really the continuation of a company's journey. It's not a, a selling your company. Um, oftentimes, management or venture capital investors, existing investors retain a big stake in the company. So they're, they may get some liquidity on the IPO, but for the most part, their interest in the company is going to continue on as a public company. So it's more a, a next step for a company that is sort of a, a final event. Um, so I just wanted to, to pick up on that. Okay. So this question is directed to both of you guys. Um, the notion of IPO, going on an IPO, and the notion of roadshow seem to go hand in hand to me. Now that we live in an even more virtual world, I'm curious how you've seen uh, the IPO process change. Let's start with you, Asha. How did you take it out? Yeah, so for, for me, it was very different because I was not part of the roadshow when we went public in Canada, because that was not virtual. And I was a part of the roadshow when we went public in New York, because it was virtual. So it was very, very different. So when we went public in Canada in March of 2019, um, the executives that were on the roadshow would give us daily updates on, you know, what was happening. And so our CFO, Brandon, would send emails every night to about, you know, what happened, where we are on the book, et cetera. But it was completely different this time around because it was fully virtual. So I attended the the entire roadshow with Brandon and I was able to see firsthand exactly, you know, what it's about and the type of questions that the shareholders ask. And I even participated in answering some of them. So that, that was extremely interesting for me. And then from, you know, Brandon, JP and Dax's perspective, who are the guys that went on the roadshow the first time around, you know, they couldn't help but express how how amazing this time around was, because although there was a lot of benefit in seeing the shareholders and the investors face to face, 
There was also a lot of flying. I mean, I think they got on like 20 something flights in two weeks. You know, it sounded a bit nightmarish in terms of the logistics. So I think, yes, there were, were definitely benefits seeing everyone in person, but it, it didn't change anything in, in how successful we were when we did the virtual roadshow. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, look, I don't think anything's changed in terms of an investor appetite or interest from, you know, moving from physical to virtual, because I think everyone understands we can't, you know, meet in person. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, once we're, we're through all of this, um, if things ever go back to normal, because I think, as Ash has said, you know, an IPO roadshow is, um, in a way, it's a pretty inefficient process. It can be a very stressful experience, I think, for everyone involved. And so eliminating all that, and not to mention the flights that, that Asha mentioned, I think it's been really uh, eye-opening to see how, how much time we can save. Maybe one final question before we get into our lightning round. How or why do you think that the valuations of companies are so high right now when it seems to be counterintuitive in a way? Um, that we're in this uh, interesting economic time, and yet companies are, are, have these incredible valuations. Yeah, so I think, um, John, I would say, you know, just coming back to sort of fundamentals, I would say to think about, you know, asset allocation and, and where interest rates are and have been over a very long period of time at sort of record lows as, as investors, broadly speaking, look for value. I think, you know, again, with yields as low as they are, equities are attractive. And so if you agree with that as a premise. And when you sort of dig in to the universe of, of equities that are available to, to buy, I think the technology sector is one that has been gaining tremendous momentum, not just over the last six or eight months, but really over the last several years, driven by things like e-commerce adoption. And, and that sort of divergence, I think, within equities of, of technology outperforming we've seen over the last couple of years, and it's only widened and accelerated during COVID. So I think to me, it's sort of, you know, a relative value question first, you know, equities versus other places you can park your money. And then within equities, you know, technology has been the most attractive sector, just given how fast it's growing. And, and the data supports that. Like if you look at the, the subsectors of the S&P 500, um, the two best performing subsectors over the last year have been technology and then consumer discretionary. And consumer discretionary includes Amazon, which is Obviously, uh, you know, essentially a tech, is a technology company. So technology is really leading the way in, in the market. And again, I think it all comes back to just growth expectations. I think the growth in the technology sector is outperforming uh, virtually every other sector in our economy right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the success that you both had in this time is, is nothing short of spectacular. So congrats on that. And now, um, in our last couple of minutes, we want to know a little bit about you. <laughs> Not just your company. And so let's start with uh, with you, Asha. What's your best working from home tip? My best working from home tip is to get a standing desk or one of those ones that go up and down because it's been a lifesaver for me. I, I waited three months to get it and I regret it. I should have done it in the beginning. Colin, what's your favorite movie or binge worthy TV series right now? People want to binge. I'm going to have to go with Succession. I've really enjoyed that. My wife and I have enjoyed that over the last uh, few months. It's uh, it's about a, a media empire family and sort of the succession from the patriarch of the family and down to his children. And there's a lot of parallels to, you know, what's going on in, in the world and specifically the U.S. today in the media industry. So it's it's relevant and also extremely entertaining. <laughs> How about you, Ash? Are you watching anything good? Yeah, actually, I my husband and I really enjoyed Money Heist. It's um, it's like it's a Spanish show. It's called Casa de Papel, and it's subtitled. 
uh, just about these bank robbers and, and a lot less philosophical than Collins, but um, <laughs> definitely binge-worthy. Okay. How about you, Asha? What's your most uh, used phone app, a smartphone app these days? I have a geeky one. It's LinkedIn because I've been looking for talent. Uh, we're looking for a lot of people at Lightspeed and, and in my department as well. So I've been really, you know, when I'm done my work day and I'm on my phone at night, I'm browsing LinkedIn, trying to see, you know, who I can go steal from a firm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, Colin? What's your favorite app right now? Ooh, favorite. Probably most uses Teams. Probably favorite would be. Uh, I'm going to go with Uber Eats. I live downtown Toronto, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ordering on Uber Eats for me these days. Classic. Last question: Do you have a new COVID hobby? I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a hobby, but I do it very, very often. I play football with my kids um, hmm. because you know they can't see their friends on the weekend. We're in lockdown, so my husband and I go out on the field with our two boys and. Apparently, I'm a really good receiver. Um, I do it all the time, and it's actually quite fun. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make a habit of it, but it is fun, and I've been doing it a lot. Never did it before. Amazing. What about you, Colin? Um, I'd say uh, getting out and doing, you know, walking. You know, I'd like, uh, whether it's during the day if I need a break or at night after the kids go to bed, just uh, go out for sort of a 45-minute or hour walk around the city has been, uh, been, been nice. Amazing. But there we go. That wraps up another edition of shift uh this has been a great one and certainly very timely when we think about you know what organizations are doing right now to make the most of covid to continue about their business um, to take their companies public as a strategy for growth etc cetera, etc cetera. and i want to thank both colin and asha asha and colin for being on this shift it's been great it was lovely to meet you guys thank you so much for spending your time with us to, to give you your perspective Sure. It was, a, it was my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, Asha. Okay. Until the next time and hope the listeners enjoyed it. And we'll uh, be back with another episode of Shift very soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash CA slash Shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.